Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net and that you can listen to this program at any time on lovetalknetwork.com. And in the studio with me this morning, of course, is founder, creator, and first lady of love, Miss Evelyn Davison. Good morning, Miss Davison. Well, hello, Mrs. Vana. I tell you, I'm excited. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> this has been a wonderful time of uh, Thanksgiving that we've had and time uh, that we uh, were able to get with our family and just look at some of the wonderful things that God is doing in the lives of the people we love, Cindy. Yes, you know, um, we're going to be walking through some of the things that we typically associate with both Christmas and Thanksgiving. Now, the last series that we've been in, the present one, we we were doing the Alleluia life, you Uh know, the the importance of praise, and we were looking at King David's life and and how he brought the children of Israel together when when he finally, there was a tabernacle, uh, a place for the ark to call Uh home, uh, and the ark of the covenant. And of course, you know, that was at that point the, the presence of God. In, in, in that form, and, and that was what they knew. And, uh, and expected. That's right. Anticipated. And, um, and so we've been talking about that. And uh, as we went out on our Thanksgiving break, I loved that discussion about thanks living. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is so easy to get caught up in the hustle mm-hmm. and the bustle of both seasons. I don't know about you, but I had stood up and cooked and had my hands in dishwasher, you know, dish soap for three days and for a woman. That's usually the holidays represent mm-hmm. just a ton of work. Uh, and it, and same for the guys, you know, in our neighborhood. We guys are up on ladders day and night, you know. I mean, it is a busy, busy season of preparation. Well, it is. And and my our Thanksgiving this year was a little different. We uh had our younger, our only granddaughter had married in October, and we had some things that we planned to take to her up in Duncan, Oklahoma, and um, we were going to go the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, her new husband's grandfather died, and so we changed our plans and went on to Branson, Missouri, uh, so that we, Van and I, could go to the Miracle of Christmas. And, Cindy, that thing was absolutely fascinating. We, you know, it was a good time for just he and I to get apart and just look at things and think about where we are in our life and where we're going and what next year is going to bring. And uh, when we, that, the miracle of Christmas is um, presented in the sound, sight and sound theater. And it's the size of three football fields. Uh, not quite three. I'm stretching a little bit. Pretty close. And it's the same place that Noah was presented. Uh, and it is live, interactive theater. It's the most fascinating thing that Van and I have seen in a long, long time. And uh, the animals are so alive. The people are so alive. It takes you back to that moment when God said, enough is enough, I'm sending Jesus. I'm sending the promised one who becomes the present one. So it was a great Thanksgiving for us. Well, you know, we have been talking in this uh, series, Jesus, the present one, and and even up to Thanksgiving, the conversation has been um, pretty much focused on this idea of, of, of walking and living in the presence of God. Uh-huh. You know, I think that, that too often in, in Christianity, we either think that God is a, a faraway God who set time in uh, motion right. and uh, then has stepped back to just watch it um, all unfold. And then we have the flip side of that coin, which is that sometimes we believe that God is our Santa Claus, <laughs> and uh, that he's, he, you know, he's here pretty much basically to grant 
our every wish and desire. But what we've been talking about in a fresh way as much as possible is to talk about the covenant that we have with God established through Christ Jesus, through the finished work of Calvary, through the ascension into heaven where we live in the fullness of the Trinity, right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and, and we being a people that have that. And so we're going to be uh, transitioning and talking about um, basically what's going on in people's lives right now, what's on their minds right now, and 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 applying what was happening in the biblical setting of that time, which is that, you know, the Christ child's about to be born. <laughs> and you know, the anticipation of that, Cindy, uh, from the time that God made the promise to Isaiah and laid it out very specifically who it would be, what his name would be, uh, where he would be born, uh, how he would be born, the anticipation of that always came like a flood in the springtime or, you know, the falling of the leaves in the fall. People would get excited, and then they'd forget about it for a long, long time. And uh, it is so different today for us than it was for Mary and Joseph. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's uh, night and day, and yet... It's the same. Right. That's what we're going to be talking about. Right. You know, what took place in Mary and Joseph's life was certainly unique for them and to them, just as each of our lives with Christ Jesus are unique. Christ's purposes and, and promises uh, to, to a great extent, are unique for each of us as he makes us uniquely. He, he forms us and makes us uniquely for his purposes. Yet at the same time, the character of God remains the same, and the promises of God for all of us are the same. You know, uh, one of the things that we want to talk about in terms of anticipation, you know, Evelyn, is kind of what is that mindset? Where are people's heads and minds right now as we we prepare for the Christmas season? And, you know, what is it that is excites us about Christmas? And what is the spirit of Christmas? And what is the truth of Christmas? And, and how do we stay centered during Christmas? And, and how is it that if we're adults and we're Christians that we, are focused in on not just the the fabulous traditions or the or the wonderful observances or the opportunities to go and and see uh, whether it's Handel's uh, Messiah, whether it's uh, you know whether it's up in Branson, whether we we have those traditions, but what is it that God wants to communicate to our heart? How is it that God wants to prepare our heart? And we're going to be talking about that in terms of God's purposes at Christmas. And the first thing we're going to do is talk about anticipation. And so how many times <laughs> Don't ask me, Cindy. this last week have you gone through your Christmas checklist of all that it is that you have yet to do? Well, uh, I'm speechless because it's been a week of uh, trying to wrap up uh, some things that were hanging and and anticipating what I need to do uh, and what um, I expect others to do for us to have our family celebration. And, of course, one of the biggest challenges for all of us is always the calendar. And that was true of, of you know, the the story of Mary and Joseph. The calendar, you know, rules a lot. They they made that great journey, that great adventure, because it was a time of year to pay taxes. So, uh, you know, I, I have all these little reminders of the things that I need to do, but I can't do those until I'm waiting on someone else to come and do some things for me. And one of those things, even this week, was my Christmas tree. And so finally... Uh, yesterday about 3 o'clock, Danny, our youngest son, got there. And he. we have a tree that you put together and the lights are already on it. And so uh, then, you know, I did all the outside decorations. I did it with apples and with pine cones this year. We have a light posts in our yard that look like old colonial lights. And so... I, 
just trying to get that done this week was um, a challenge for me. But that's nothing, Cindy, compared to what it is that we will experience in regard to what the real Christmas is. Those are the outward expressions of Christmas. And we all have them because that's our comfort zone. It is our comfort zone. It reminds us not only of of our heritage as Christians and and the heritage of America and those things that are part of our just making it special, but each one of those things, a light, you know, a light at Christmas time, reminds us of the light of the Lord Jesus. So it's sort of a mixed emotion as we are 15 days out from Christmas because even as we think about that first advent of Jesus, we have to go back and think he came to live in the flesh that we might learn to live in the spirit. And the spiritual part of Christmas is that part that sometimes we put in the bucket and we hide in the closet mm-hmm. uh, because we get so involved in the expectations and the entrapments of Christmas. And I think that's one of the things that, that happens with children as well as adults, especially with, with Santa Claus, although that's a representation of the good things God does for us. So, you know, how many times have I thought about it? All week long, honey. I gave you all week long. <laughs> well, I finally shelved uh, all of those outward things this year just out of necessity. You know, there are some years when, you know, when when we, we go all out, and Jim has done more than his part this year. He, uh, he has, you know, done the outside lights. And, of course, Jim has a big giant sign in the front oh, of our yard that says Jesus. You I know. know. I want his, one of those. Oh, well, he <laughs> wants to make those, so he'll have, I'll, I'll put in your order oh, today. Oh, that would be great. Uh, anyway, so we he did that, but, uh, you know, we've had some uh, family emergencies in our household this last week and still dealing with those, and so I, I know that with that and just the workload I have, and because it's he and I, that I'm not under some of those same mm-hmm. pressures and so I'm I'm going to have to continue to uh, address the a different to do list. Well, are you anticipating Christmas? I then? am totally. Oh, and that's coming? What, yes, and that's what we're going to be talking about because as we transition from this conversation that we were having about King David and Thanksgiving, we're going to be looking at King David's celebration and anticipation. Mm-hmm of a king greater than his own. And we're going to be doing this conversation this year at Christmas time and coming into the new year under the characteristics of leadership. You know, what is it that it takes to lead a family, to lead a business, to lead in your classroom, to lead in your circle of friends, to to lead just a you know your children or your grandchildren or in your home group your small home that's group. right and we're going to and one of the characteristics that we're going to explore first in light of christmas and something that is unique to every leader's heart and is seen so clearly with david as he comes to celebrate the truth mm. is anticipation you know leaders have that unique quality evelyn of anticipating what's coming down the road. What's coming down the road for my children? What's coming down the road for my business? What's coming down the road? Anticipation is something that God built into you and I so that we could be looking down the road in hope and for truth and for light. And so we're going to be talking about anticipation and the true spirit of Christmas as we embark on this journey of Christ coming as flesh, the incarnate being of Christ in the everyday life, living amongst us, born in a manger. And when the anticipation of the outward trappings of Christmas are not enough, then what it is that we're building into our life in anticipation. And we're going to be doing that. We're going to take our break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to continue to talk about anticipation and the spirit of Christmas. This is Love Talk on the Word. 
Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we are streaming live at klgo.net and that you can hear this program and others in our archive at lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, as we went out on break, we're, we're we're focusing right now on anticipation because mm-hmm. that's where people's minds are right now. Right. They're um, they're either living in expectation or anticipation, mm-hmm. right? And you know the anticipation of of children and you know the mystery of what might be and the mm-hmm. excitement of, of the secrets of, of Christmas and and the hope of Christmas, which is often you know expressed in our country in terms of you know what gifts will be under the the tree, the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. or you know family members and the opportunity to gather together, and and that's very important in people's lives and in in people's hearts. And so, you know, when you look at the Christmas spirit, it's it's easy to uh, be either excited or full of dread. You can be excited about family gatherings, or you can be dreading, mm. you know, what it is to bring an extended family together. You can be excited about all the preparations, or you can be in a place where you just like to get under the under the covers <laughs> and pull them over your head and sleep through Christmas yeah. and hope that, you know, and, and, and you know, one of the questions that we're asking is what is the Christmas spirit? Is it parties? Is it the gifts? Or is it family? Is it when we decorate our yard or decorate our home? Is it the nativity or is it the traditions that you've established in your own home, you know, feeding the needy or, you know, or having the big meal? And What is the real truth about around Christmas and anticipation? What kinds of, of anticipation should we be building in our hearts? Well, the thing is, Cindy, if we place it on some of these things we've talked about, when it's over, it's down. It's, you know, there's always that disappointment. But when we uh, anticipate the spiritual atmosphere or the spiritual nature or the spiritual power of the love of Christ that was uh, brought to us by one woman and one man who trusted God, then it's easier for us, uh, and nothing's easy, but it is easier for us to see how God can use our life, much like he used the life of Mary and Joseph. They were very, very blessed. They had some great needs. But, you know, one of the things that, that for the whole nation um, of Israel during the time of the first advent was that Many of them no longer believed. They no longer expected or anticipated that God would fulfill the promise that he had made. And so as we look at how that promise was put together by God to serve in the area of love and not just to fulfill a law or a covenant, there were 400 years at least between the time of the last message through Malachi and the angel's arrival saying, this is the time. This is the time. And during that time of silence, and basically that's what it was because they didn't have a messenger from God. They lived on their traditions. They lived on their, uh, their family heritage. They lived on the expectation that they would be rescued from the, from the culture in which they were having to live whether you're talking about from the time that the children were hauled off in captivity or when, you know, God finally said to them when they said, I want a king, I want a king, I want a king, I want to be like everybody else. And so God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. Well, they chose the first king. God chose another king, and that king was David. And it was then when God chose the king, David, that he began to show forth in a way that, they could understand that something better was coming. And that something better that was coming was the love of the Savior, the Redeemer, that they anticipated, the love of the Messiah, even though they misunderstood that. Their expectations were what, Cindy? They expected 
a military rescuer. Well, you're right. And so this is why we wanted to do a little parsing out of the term expectation versus anticipation. Because, boy, can you get tripped up on your expectations. And when you're you're disappointed in your expectations, which, of course, historically Israel was, somehow they always were disappointed in God. Somehow (laughs) he never quite lived up to their expectations. (laughs) Expectations. <laughs> and, you know, and they grumbled, and even, you know, even in the middle of the desert, uh, of course, they were more than willing to go back to Egypt because they, mm-hmm. what did they say? Forget this manna, you know, and meat. Just, just take us. It was better. We want spicy life. It was better under slavery in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you're right. One of my, one of the passages in the Bible that always makes me weep is that passage where God is speaking to the people of of Israel when they're demanding a king. And from his heart, he's saying, I understand, but, you know, you're rejecting me again. And and, uh, that, that passage always just grips my heart with the truth. But here we are at this moment when uh, many of the people in Israel just expected David to lead them into prosperity, Mm -hmm. to lead them to victory. The expectation was that David would make come to pass for them the comfortable life, the life they hoped for. But there's a moment in time between David and God in 2 Samuel. Yes. When David understands that he's there for a purpose that is far larger than what he's going to deliver to the people of Israel in his lifetime, that the promises of God, he begins to pray a prayer that extends not into just his generation, but thousands of generations to come as he reminds God of what? That God says, I would establish your house forever. forever. And David begins to pray back to God the promises of God and remind him of those. That is so true, Cindy. And we have to look at the context. And that is always how you interpret Scripture is by concept and context. And David looked at the great victory that um, that they had just experienced. But he knew that the people's heart was restless, and he, the desire of his heart was to establish or to build a permanent place for the very evidence of God's blessing upon Israel. And he wanted to build a temple, but he set forth a tabernacle again. And as he really called the people to do that, Uh, His heart was that he would build a permanent temple. But because of some later failures in David's life, God did not allow him to do that, and Solomon did it. But the thing that is so important here is that thanksgiving came for their thanksgiving. And as they began to look at what it was that God had promised them, what the covenant was, then David's heart was touched deeply, and it was touched to the extent that he had to express that. And so that's what happens in Second Samuel 7, beginning, you know, with that, about the 14th verse, I said, I think. So let's run through that, Well, Cindy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encapsulize it rather okay. than just read it. But so here's, um, here's David entering into the tabernacle to sit in the Lord's presence. And he says to God basically this, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Oh, Evelyn, I ask it every day. As a matter of fact, I was on uh, the, a conference call with a, one of, a national prayer leader, and we were talking about where we had been and how, uh-huh. how long it had been since we saw each other. And we were ending our conversation both in prayer and in praise and saying, can you imagine where God has brought us? 
how far, what we have seen, what we experienced. And it is that question, who am I? This is the heart. I believe that when God says that David has a heart after God, Mm -hmm. it is the heart of a leader for anticipation beyond themselves. It is the beyond what can you, the demanding nature of what are you going to do for me today, God? Switching from that to the awe of God, the wonder of God that says, who am I? And it's it's for you to have brought me so far. And it says, for you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. Oh, in the distant future. So David begins to speak about things that are written in antiquity that Mm -hmm. the people had buried in their hearts and not believed. That David is resurrecting in his prayer and his time with God, even without he conceptually understood it. Did he understand it concretely? Did he understand the framework from which God was going to work? Not fully, but he begins to call it forth anyway because of why? Because he is a leader and he is full of anticipation. And he says to God, there's no one like you. Uh There is no God beside you. And then he ends up recounting what God has done for Israel. But here is the punchline. He says, now, Lord God, Fulfill the promise forever that you have made to your servant and his house. Do as you have promised so that your name will be exalted forever. When it is said, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. The house of your servant David will be established before you. Since you, Lord hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant when you said, I will build a house for you. Now, what he's talking about here is, of course, his his continued drive and and sometimes mixed with expectation to build the temple, as you talked uh-huh. about. But in fact, when he's calling forth the promises of God in faith, God knows full well what he meant in terms of the distant future, in terms of establishing the house of David forever. Through what? Through the temple, through Christ Jesus, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Cindy, that is so true. And just as David uh, sat there and, and he sat down, he kneeled down in the presence of God, and he asked God that question, you know, what have you done so far was a little thing to you. But for me, God, it was great. We look at our lives, and, and we, we have to ask that same question, Cindy. What you have done so far in the past is wonderful. But how am I going to build my house today that it might stand strong in the time we're living, that people will come to know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That's the question. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what it is to be filled with hope and live towards anticipation. This is Love Talk on the Word. This is Cindy Vanna Love talking on the word, reminding you that we are at 99.3 and 98.5 information with inspiration. Love talking with Evelyn Davison, founder and creator, reminding you we're streaming live at klgo.net. You can also pick up the audio for this program and for past programs for Love Talk at lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, we were, went out on a break and we're, we were talking about King David, who somehow was, had a heart after God, and God doesn't, doesn't tell us exactly what that means. We know it isn't because David was perfect. <laughs> right. Right. But we're talking about in terms of what is it that God wants to build into the life of Christ followers. And on break, you and I were having a little sidebar conversation, which is what's always going on in the studio, by the way, <laughs> when the mics are off. You know, the difference between calling yourself a Christian and being a Christ follower 
you know, the, this this idea that there was 400 years of silence from the time of the last prophetic message of God mm-hmm. to the people of God. And the question of whether the people of God would be able to hold on to that more than some kind of antiquated message that had little or nothing to do with themselves. And yet here is David, who is, who is in a position, of course, as the king over the nation, to be able to pull forth the things that God has said to them, to call them forth, to proclaim um, for the nation of Israel through the worship of, of, of God. And we wanted to talk about that because we're, we're trying to unpack here the truth of the Christmas story and the truth of the Christmas spirit. And we're, and we're talking about it under the characteristic of anticipation. Because as a Christian or a Christ follower, Evelyn, if we are not filled with anticipation, for what God has done is, as a matter of fact, David says to him, for what you have done for me is a little thing, but what, for what you are going to do is where we live. You know, for what God has done for you and I is awe-inspiring for us from our perspective, mm-hmm. but for God it's a small thing. But if we forget that the greatest things of God are ahead, if we're if we are finding ourselves in the middle of Christian thinking we are observing a historical antiquated story that has to do with the nativity and the child, the Christ child having been born 2000 years ago and we're just rehearsing that and we don't under we aren't anticipating what God is going to do in our midst then we stand the chance of worshiping the past mm-hmm. and not standing in the present and believing for the future that God has promised to us all. And we're going to talk about a few characters within the Bible, some people I know that you dearly love, <laughs> with regard to this idea of what it is to be a Christ follower, to be filled with hope and full of anticipation. Well, one of the things that God never uh, stops doing is loving. Uh, The scriptures say plainly, God is love. Uh, But if you take any precept or any promise uh, or any characteristic of God and you take it to the extreme, then it becomes heresy. becomes heresy. If we just say God is love and that's all he is... And, you know, we went through that with the Beatles. Uh, it'll, it can change a nation. Uh, the important thing is, is that we get the big picture, Cindy. And the big picture is that God in his foreknowledge knew what it was going to take for man to come to recognize him as the creator God, as the sustainer God, in all of the attributes of God. And so what God did and still does today is he uses people who are willing to follow Jesus. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was Jesus. Everything that was made was made by him. Nothing was ever made that was not made by Jesus. And in the Genesis account, it says that God spoke into being we don't understand in our life today when we have such massive communication uh, major ways of transportation uh, how uh, what most people would call an insignificant uh, event like the birth of a child in in a pitiful little village would have on history or on our, our lives today. But it goes back to who God is, Cindy. And what we anticipate in our life that he has planned and created for us. One of the things that about the miracle of Christmas, and I don't want to get on a, a rabbit trail here, but one of the, the things about the miracle of Christmas that, that was really profound to Van and I both, was when 
all of the celebration was gone after Jesus was born, and he was portrayed there in the village in this little stable, more like a cave. Uh, the angels were still on guard. And the angels in that presentation, the miracle of Christmas that we saw, were as big as uh, a living room. I mean, they were huge. I, uh, the wingspan on each side was probably uh, 12 feet. Uh, and they were just everywhere. They'd come and go. And as things began to quiet down, and it was a musical, as it quieted down, and then suddenly it was like the serenity of God's presence was on this one little vignette of a little baby in the arms of her mother with her father standing by, with his father standing by. And out of the blue came this great explosion. And when we were able to see what it was, because there's smoke mirrors and all this stuff, it was an angel form in red surrounded by fire. And everything about this particular uh, thing, angel, was red. It was like it's on fire. And it was really uh, a depiction of Satan. And it showed him in such great force going toward the cradle. And what happened suddenly? Just out of the darkness came Gabriel with his sword. And he struck Satan. And he evaporated. Then, uh, you know, that is not something normally you would see in a Christmas pageant. We don't. You know, locally we'd never see that, I don't think. But as Van and I left there, we were talking about that. And Van said, you know, that is representative of every moment of our life. It's not just something that happened around the cradle. Because we know from the study we did last year, Cindy, about the promised one, that even when Jesus was in uh, the wilderness, and the enemy of Easter came against him. It was for the purpose of destroying him. The scriptures are replete with account after account of how the enemy of God came after the Son of God. So when we talk about being a follower of Jesus Christ, it means that we're not in this life alone. But it means that we are so connected with him that as we move and have our being in him, that we have the power to be that person like David. When David sat before the throne of God and made that statement about himself, that's exactly where we are positionally every day of our life. And when we see these things in our nation, in our family, in our community, that come against the virtues that this nation was built on, then we should not be shocked. We should know without any doubt whatsoever that there is a war going on. And the war is against evil and against love. Evelyn, you did a beautiful job of talking around a, a subject that is often forgotten within Christmas, you know, I was meditating and praying over some of the verses, and um, the one that came to my mind that is so full of anticipation and full of truth, and at the same time full of bloodshed, is the one in Luke 2 and 11, where it says, for this day unto you a Savior is born. Make no mistake, as Evelyn was talking about whether we are Christians or Christ followers, is we're a part of a bigger conversation, a part of a bigger story. When we look and see what is going on in the world today, it is because the same war that broke out in heaven when Lucifer rebelled against God and, and rebelled against the government of God, where God was then... Um, facing a choice as to whether he was going to annihilate uh -huh. and do away with free will once and for all, both in heaven and in the future upon earth, where we are still walking out that war in heaven, that rebellion against God, where we see the fruit of God's character versus 
the destruction of Satan's government as he said, ah, I'll set up a government too, God, and we'll see who's his best. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about that bigger story in the lives of those who walked, who walked and are like us, walking out the drama of the war between heaven and earth. This is Love Talk on the Word. Good morning. I am Cindy Vaughn. I love talking in the beautiful, blessed KLGO, the Word Studios. That is 99.3 and 98.5. Information with inspiration reminding you that we're streaming live at klgo.net. You can also catch this audio program on lovetalknetwork.com. Evelyn, before we went out on break, we were talking about this bigger picture. Uh We started out by talking about... um, the picture of our lives right now with regard to to Christmas and and anticipation and rituals and traditions. But, you know, you and I are made for a bigger conversation and a bigger picture. When when God says you're made for such a time as this, he didn't just say, well, hey, listen, you're made. You come down to earth and you have a good time and relax and be comfortable. No, that's not you and I are caught up in the biggest drama ever. That's why I loved that you talked about the drama of what you saw around the miracle of the Christmas story. Because the, we don't observe the miracle of the Christmas story today because we're observing an, a historic Pretty event that true. happened 2,000 years ago. What is going the dynamics between heaven and earth, the dynamics between hell and heaven are going on today. It is that we see that drama unfold as God the Father chooses a vulnerable child in a manger with no protection whatsoever than anticipation of God's character and faithfulness as we see the drama continue to unfold on earth as lucifer is battling to set up his government upon earth and reign and take dominion over it and questioning the character of god at all times while god on the other hand sends to us a savior you know this battle between free will this battle between good and evil exists today even today at christmas season, you'll see people asking the question, what kind of God is it that allows these terrible things to go on here on earth? It clouds our Christmas thinking as we try to ourselves to make everything perfect, perfect in our families, perfect on the outward. But God has a bigger, longer lasting question that has both to do with time and eternity. And that is the same question that David asked the Lord when he said in his presence. You know, who am I, Lord? Who am I, Lord? Am I love on display before a world that's confused, that has unrealistic expectations, that is not anticipating uh, you're being involved in their life at all? These are questions, Cindy, that come not only... Uh, at Easter time, which is when we're faced with it more on a one-to-one um, surrender or more a one-to-one relationship in regard to what Jesus did, as to a baby that's born in a pig trough, how can all of this relate to who I am? David knew God's plan because God had given it to him. And he knew that it was going to come from his house. In that scripture that we read today from Second Samuel 7, it, he says, Who am I, Lord, and what is my house? What is my family? What is my legacy, my heritage that you have brought me to today? 
He said this far. Because he knew and he anticipated the coming of the Savior. So that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Well, Evelyn. What is it? What is it that you have brought me this far to do or to be? Anticipation, the what is it, the anticipation of our lives is that we represent more than ourselves is that we are called to believe for more than ourselves. Promises greater and longer lasting than ourselves, that you and I come and are are set upon this earth for, for this time, this place, and right now, to stand on the on, on the earth and declare the goodness of God and the promises of God, even beyond the circumstances of our life. It is calling on the fulfillment of the promises of God as written in the Word of God for not just our lives, for eternity. Even, Evelyn, as you look at the, let's look just, you know, as we're in our closing moments here, let's look at, you know, some of the characters that are so familiar to us at Christmas time: Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and John the Baptist, Simeon and Anna, and, and, and just in general, the people of God. Because here, here's Mary and Joseph. You know, how were they supposed to know uneducated, un, un, uh, unembraced by their family? How were they supposed to know what those bigger promises of God were? And yet they chose to live in anticipation of what God was going to do. God spoke to their hearts the truth. He said, they believed the word of God, and they did what? They grabbed hold of it in hope, not just for themselves, because their lives they knew were uh, very much at peril. They weren't just grabbing hold of it for themselves. They were grabbing hold of it because God had come, spoken to their hearts, and said, here is the purpose for which I have made you. Now, if you live this out in anticipation of what, of who I am, not just what I'm going to do for you. They also set aside all their fears and all their anxieties and chose to live in hope for themselves and tomorrow. They chose to delight in the anticipation of a child in the womb that they had no idea how he had come to be there except by the hand of God, defying everything they knew and every cultural moray, walking in the face of all that they had been told was good and godly. And yet what did they choose? They, they threw away fear and anxiety and chose anticipation. They held on to the treasure of hope that we all have to do in difficult times. That's why anticipation is a characteristic that is so important to you and I. Let's take Elizabeth mm-hmm. and John the Baptist. What were the characteristics of anticipation in their lives? Well, with Elizabeth, you know, her husband was the high priest, and her anticipation was they were going to live out their life uh, without the support of a family because, the, you know, the priesthood was a family and the fact that uh, they were old in age. Uh, the, Elizabeth believed, but he did not believe. And the result was is God took away his ability to see. And then when it finally realized that this time was changing, because for, for Elizabeth, and for John the Baptist, John the Baptist was the forerunner. The scriptures say he was the forerunner. He ran before Jesus to tell the people, the time has come. The time has come. And see where Elizabeth and, and lived in a time when sin was covered by the blood sacrifice in the temple. And that was their job, to encourage the people, give them hope that if you come and and you bring your sacrifice, then you will have a good life. That basically was the message. (laughs) You bring the good sacrifice, and you have a good life. When Jesus, when John the Baptist came as the forerunner, he said, it is changing. The time has come to change. 
And so as Jesus came, he was that change factor between the old covenant and the new covenant, the old bloodline to the new bloodline. And so it was an important time. But, Cindy, the time we live right now is as important as the time of Elizabeth and John the Baptist. It Because we are God's John the Baptist for the time in which we live. Well, Evelyn, you're right. We're part of a bigger story and part of a bigger conversation. It is that we live in anticipation, believing the reality of the Messiah, not just for our generation, but we've got to believe it for the coming generations. We've got to anticipate the greatest handiwork of God to come when we drive through those neighborhoods this Christmas season, Evelyn, looking at all those lights. Mm -hmm. It isn't for that moment that we get that temporary thrill. It is that we get that bigger picture of what God has done, not only in the past, but what we give thanks and celebrate what he's doing in our lives right now, and that we look forward to the generations to come embracing the best work of God to come. And it is available, Cindy. It is available as we come to know him personally, receive the gift that he brought us, and live out that gift in a world that will bless the heart of God. We hope you have a wonderful week uh, as you learn better how to love walk and love talk with Jesus. This is Love Talk on the Word. Love Talk has been brought to you by The Word 99.3 and 98.5 in Austin, as well as Love Talk's partnering sponsors, Ellison Salazer, Casa Mechanical Services, Hill Country Landscape, Ray Gardner Triad Ministries, First Baptist Church Pflugerville, and The Good News Journal.